Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good grief. It's another podcast from those uh, odd bods at the Agile Coaching Mastery Crew. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Agile Coaching Mastery Podcast, brought to you by the Agile Coaching Mastery Crew. Our crew consists of Agile coaches from around the world who record the podcast for an international audience, free of time zones. You can listen when you want. We do this to help increase the skills, knowledge, and experience across the Agile coaching industry. And it's for free. Every week, we'll be exploring another part of this wonderful Agile coaching landscape. Each episode is recorded live and unscripted on Mondays. Let's join the crew for this week's episode. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Mann. Before we go on, actually, I do need to do something else for a second. And it's, it's something for all of us. Uh, and we get a round of applause because uh, I got a notification from Spotify that we've had our thousandth unique listener to the podcast. So, so that's, uh, that's such a huge milestone. It is, isn't it? Really, uh, you know, uh, you know. Uh, they keep asking me how how do I want to monetize this? I don't, I don't. We don't want to monetize it. It's for the good of everyone, isn't it? But uh, there you go. Let's do one more time. So there you go. Congratulations to everyone. We are joined by some really, really good uh, people today. Uh, very small mini Daniel Diner is with us. I think she's being fed or nappied or something at the moment, so you might hear her in the background. Yeah, she's rocking in my arms right now. So oh, bless. Yes, you might hear her. Yep. Yes. So we always say that, you know, the older you get, the, the more you think you know and the less you actually know. So she's probably the wisest person in the room already done. Just guessing at that, really. Lovely to have you with us. Uh, so, uh, today's subject, we're in the middle of the cadet model last week, by the way. If you didn't get hold of what we'll call diagnosis and discovery, discovery and diagnosis last week, last week's podcast, was phenomenal. Some of the, uh, some of the brilliant ideas discussed in that from the audience and from our crew were just uh, mind-numbingly good, I thought. So, if for any reason you... You watch, you listen to this one, and you haven't listened to last week's. Go and get it because it was really solid stuff, um, really, really good stuff from that one. So that was last week. But this week, what we're doing is we're in the E in the cadet model. Uh, uh, the word cadet, uh, it's cadet times two because there's two C's, two A's, two D's, two E's, two T's. And last week we moved from the D being doctor to a much better definition which was that it's a uh, discovery and diagnosis. And uh, we had the phenomenal idea that we were really like GPs. Um, that was a good idea. Even then, it was a good idea. And then I think it was Dan who said, we're like GPs, but we arrive at the hospital and have to deal with all the trauma that's going on in the companies we go to. So uh, if you want to watch last week's, listen to last week's, that's brilliant. So this week, it is about enabling. And I'll give you a definition of what that said in the cadet model. And again, the thing I love about what we're doing is we change it, we discuss it, we come up with better ideas ideas so uh enabling we put this so one of the things we sometimes have to do by leaders is provide services so it's services now not products across the organization that quote oil the wheels of getting the organization to what great looks like and feels that's the first bit of it let me say that again services that we provide across the organization that all the wheels of getting what a great looks like so things like the communities of practice centers of excellence uh, papers you might put out uh, briefing note or anything that is you could argue is a service this can include creating frameworks creating policies creating playbooks and other modes you might use some of the other modes of what you do as a as a coach including training teaching consulting all of that in order to embed all that into the organization it's got two two elements to it the enabler's got one is 
oiling the wheels by giving stuff out and i particularly want to look at it as a sort of a thought to do with enterprise-wide giving out so maybe on the training courses you might get that under the title large-scale facilitation if you do any of our training courses and then the second thing is what frameworks and policies and playbooks you would put in place so that's the area we're talking um I'm joined on stage by Ricardo and Daniel. If anyone else wants to come on stage, all you have to do is put your hand up in the app. Uh, and uh, once you put the hand up, uh, we see that and we bring you on stage and you can ask any question. And our golden rule, I will have it on a soundbox recording. I'll say it loudly now. No question is a bad question. Quite the opposite. All questions are worth hearing. So with that in mind, that's our definition for today. Chappies, what do you think? Is it a good definition? Should we improve it? What do you think of it? Any stories? The only thing that comes to mind is that this E is the cadet model uh, applied to scale. Because you might end up doing some large-scale coaching or consulting or advising or to, to be able to achieve the enablement. So it's a really interesting summary of the key activities we do. Uh, that's interesting. So it might be above the cadet model. It might be we do the following enabling using the cadet model well, it was an interesting thought i could i could go with that yeah. yes certainly yes yeah, it also comes that it's very much the way that i usually work so it's, it feels more like a summary of all things that i do than one of the parts okay which is uh, great yeah, how, do, how do you feel yeah. how do you feel about this point ricardo that uh, i've written in my notes of this provide services across the organization that all the wheels of getting the organisation to what great looks like and feels. Do we, um, if you agree with that, have you got some examples of where you've provided services? And I'm I'm looking at maybe, I mean, if I think of what I'm doing right now, I've put a team together that are doing this set of services across a company to oil the wheels, as it were. Um, what do you guys think of that bit? I, I kind of like it, you know, um, thinking about, you know, where you came from also, Ian, you know, in, in, in the past, where basically talk about we having a COE, which is the center of enablement. But then really, are we the center of enablement? You know, what does enablement, en enablement mean, you know, in the context of our role as agility coaches or as agile coaches, you know? Um, if we take reference from last week's session, um, you know, podcast and uh, uh, session, we spoke about the fact that, you know, sometimes we are sent in as general practitioners to go and help enable organizations to become more effective, more value-driven, and then optimize flow and efficiency. And we do that through enablement, but then do we actually feel we're empowered to do that when there's a lot of constraints on our role and our ability as coaches? Oh, well, let's talk about constraints, Rick. I think that's really interesting um, because one of the things I sort of teach when I teach on this is uh, always do the job as though you have all the permissions you need to do it until you're told you don't have permissions or you're sacked. Is, is that fair of me? Because I, I feel, you know, we, we need to get on with getting past, you know, and there's just usually so many. There's a phrase somebody used a couple of weeks ago which I really, really loved, and I've, I've asked for permission to use it, and he's describing a context, and he went, he said this, the problem here is we've got 19 people with red cards who can stop you, and nobody has a green card to tell you to go ahead. So it's impossible to get things done. So I feel a little bit like when you talked about, you know, the sort of constraints you put under, I sort of feel I automatically by default pick on those and refuse to let them hold me back. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. 
don't ask for permission. As a good agile coach, you really need to beg for forgiveness every once in a while instead of asking for permission all the time. Well, yes. Yeah, so that's the approach. And I'm going to use a live experience. You know, um, I was in an engagement where I didn't have to ask for permission. I went in and I could see fundamentally a whole lot of the enablement of what agility meant was flawed and wrong. And then went into, from our consultancy hat, wearing the pencil of this is how or this we recommend. You know, our role as coaches will be to recommend rather than prescribe because if it goes wrong, you also will be the one to take the blame. And you've got to understand that. And the feedback I got was stay in your lane. That is not your role. Please this has happened way before you join the company and the organization. Do not even try to enable us to do things differently. Wow. What did you do when yeah. you were told that then? Were you, did you stay in your lane? Oh, no. Basically, I took the next level of enablement, which is actually, <laughs> you know, do I detour? Do I continue driving straight ahead? And so I detoured and spoke to the leadership saying, well, this is actually why you hired me. It's not worth my time staying here if your leaders are going to have this attitude um, you know, in terms of how to do things differently. We come with the expertise and you know, the knowledge of how we've seen Phil. And the approach you're taking right now is you know, prone for disaster and fear. So we're going to mitigate, you know, but it's up to you to either keep me or you know, um, continue with the approach. It took them about six months to realize I was right. But that's also six months when you think about, you know, cost-benefit calculator, how much you could have saved. So the area we're talking about here is essentially expressing to leadership where the big uh, elephants in the room are in a polite enough way to empower them to give you empowerment to deal with them, not in a pushy way or a way that says, you know, you guys are so crap, you haven't dealt with this, this or this, I'm off, you know. Because I think, and I know you don't say this, Dan, at all. I know what you're like when you work because we work together. So it's, 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 I'm certainly not observing you doing this. But I think sometimes what I've seen elsewhere is coaches who go into a company and after a while go, no, this company has not sorted itself out correctly. I'm off again. When yeah. we're, we're really there to help them move, aren't we? We help them to get fit. We help them to move. So I think you're advocating that we, you know, you don't keep quiet, but you with assertiveness perhaps but not aggression you you make it plain to the leaders what they have to do to move yeah absolutely uh, ricardo i don't know if you've had any similar experiences or anyone in the organization in, in the floor you know but i, I had but, a whole gig that started like this uh, i got called in and they didn't want me to join as an agile coach they asked me to join as a uh, program manager and i said but is this integration where I have a lot of specialty? No. Can I can I start doing Agile? No. We are an REP shop. And you are hiring me because you know that I will break the, all the rules that you are setting for me. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, after one year uh, of the 100 people that they gave me, already 40 uh, were Agile teams and uh, delivering stuff every week rather than every four months as REP prescribed. So it's really a fun gig. Yeah, I, I, I know well the story and the, the people there. So, uh, okay, so I want to move on a bit to the next part of this definition, which is um, help organisations see what great looks like. Let's talk about that for a minute. I think um, 
I think one, without a doubt, one of the biggest things enterprise coaches need to be able to do is recognise when things look great and help when it doesn't look great. Now, I think some people think coaching is all about pointing out it's not great. Um, I'll put it like this. Anyone can see dirt. It takes a bit of a vision to see the gold that's around as well. And I think what we're trying to do is, is move people on towards great without particularly telling them that they're crap or anything like that. We don't mean that at all. Apologies if that word is an offensive word to you in your culture. I didn't mean to use it. Um, we're, we're not here to sort of slap people and tell them that they're naughty and not very good. And we certainly aren't the agile police whose job it is, I don't think, to make sure you do it just exactly like the book says or else. Um, but I think we... we we do need to know what great looks like, and we do need to, as well as know what great looks like, understand how we can move people towards it. Does that work for you yeah. guys? Yeah. I think if you manage to find what are the points that the company already has some agility and reinforce on those, that will really help you in them pointing out things that they probably didn't even notice because they always did things that way around there and pointing out, what, how about if we tried that? In that other place where I was, which was a bit different, but uh, we did things that way and that actually worked. But if you just come full front confrontational from beginning, you face a lot of resistance. While if you take some of your strengths, help them become even stronger, then you'll build that credibility. I usually call it the cookie points to be able then to, 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 to create the real change. Cookie, cookie mm. points. I like that. What, explain like to that. me why you use the phrase cookie points. I don't know. It just <laughs> you started using it at one client. Okay. You need, you need to build up some cookie points to be able to ask for stuff like that. Was was the phrase? So I said, okay, let me find some. Let me get some cookie points, and those can be gotten by helping to get one product delivered. There can be so so many things, but usually it's by achieving a business, helping to achieve a business outcome, so, rather than being this. Like, yeah so essentially it's create create some value create some credibility show that you can we're going to a bit into the delivery area which is next week as well do that and then you've got a bit of a voice of credibility and goodness to talk about what needs to change yeah you might even be asked that's that was great what else do you know what else can we do I was going to throw a different story, you know, oh. and kind of, you know, using storytelling. And this is also something recently that happened right now with the company I'm working, you know. So, Andrea, basically, you, you can raise your hand up. Andrea's on the call. <laughs> she yeah. just asked. Yeah. Yes, but I one saw that things... in the chat. Hi, Andrea. Yeah. Yeah. Come on stage. One of the things that I love, you know, is um, what is our role as coaches? we need to enable you know self-awareness of you know what our role is and the value agile coaches bring and oftentimes people don't understand what that perspective is or what that you know like Ian you said what does great look like you know it's almost like one of those movies where you see the coach going to a new community believing in everyone showing up every morning and afternoon and evening trying to get the team to actually become the champions in that community but no one believes them he's got no credibility they don't even care about you know the status of where you're coming from but one thing is constant the coach always shows up 
Very good. Very. It reminds me, actually, of uh, a strange analogy. And then Andrea's joined us on stage. I'm going to invite you, Andrea, to come off mic and have a chat and say hello and ask any questions. But I'll tell my story first. Actually, it's an image from a movie. Who's seen The Greatest Showman? Oh, you can't put your hand up. Yes, absolutely. But, but yeah. in The Greatest Showman, the, the woman with the beard at one mm. point says, you know, um, you know they, they don't like me. They scare, you know, I'm, they, I scare them. And uh, the main character, uh, played by Hugh Jackman, says, well, they do at the moment. And then he puts a big smile on his face and he says, but in the end they're going to love you. And I've always felt that was a great example of what coaches do, which is to help people move forward and get to what great looks like. And, of course, in the story, that character goes on to be, you know, the star voice in, you know, Barnum's Circus and a phenomenal voice that the actress has as well anyway. I'm not afraid of the dark. Hide away, they say. So it always reminds me, that's always reminded me of what part of what coaching is, which is to bring out of people that which is inside them, which is their confidence and their belief in themselves, helping them know what they've got great. So there's a company I've been working at where, uh, you know, somebody joked to me, uh, you know, all you've done is come in and tell us this particular area is getting it right, you know, what we're paying you for. It's a joke because the guy's a good guy. And I went, well, what you're paying for in that case is you're paying for me to tell you it's great. <laughs> and I know what great looks like, and that's great. <laughs> so. Hold the mirror to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 th I think one of the things, you know, uh, when you're speaking, Ian, it's, it's as coaches, right, are we Snow White you know, who's looking and then we're telling, you know, the organization mirror, mirror on the wall, you know, look at us and who is the fairest of them all. Or are we actually playing the role of, no, actually, there's dust on that mirror. You can't see how great you are. So now you need to wipe it and then you need to, you know, or are there even cracks on the mirror, you know, where you actually need to go like the Chinese do and then create something magical with gold and mirrors and then have some, yeah. you know, beautiful, you know, artifacts. Okay, uh, that's a great analogy. I'm going to leave my reaction to Snow White till the end of the call because I think that's where it fits now. Uh, but I like what you said. I did think I will leave it until later. Uh, I love what you said about that. We, our job is to make sure a pure, clean mirror is held up to the organisation and they see what's going on themselves. And, uh, uh, and, and uh, yeah, I, I sometimes think we shouldn't rush to that. What, I'm, what mm -hmm. I mean by that is, we sh you know, a little bit of biblical analogy of pearls before swine. I hold back sometimes with what I really think in a situation until people are ready to receive it, if you see what I mean. Um, and my, my standard approach to any meeting when I'm assessing what's going on for a team is to encourage the people who are sticking their necks up and trying to do the right thing, that they, they're great. You know, I think there's a, a thing one of my colleagues uses... Um, who isn't with us because he hasn't managed to get the call, but Graham uses this phrase about, he, he says the prime directive is we must agree that we did our very best given the situation we were in and we need to move forward from that point, not from a point of criticism, which he makes very well. So, so um, yeah, so I'm always like, this is great, well done. And then I always try and make sure my language stays clean and I don't go, how can we make this better? But I go, uh, we can improve it further, that kind of thing. Anyway, Andrea, you've been with us for a while. Sm lovely smiley face on your, your picture, by the way. Lovely to see you. Presumably you know Dan anyway, so maybe Dan can introduce you and you can let us know. Andrea, I, yeah, she, she can introduce herself. She's, she's capable. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. Thank you, lovely bunch. Yeah. 
I always love that. And it's a great podcast here in, in, our, in, in sort of the clubhouse. And I'm working with Daniel together. And he's an awesome coach. Uh, I'm really glad to uh, have met him. And that he introduced me to, to your folks here because I'm a lifelong learner. I will always see, I mean, as you just said, we can always get better. And we, and as, when we start as coaches to do that, we are not role modeling what we preach. So I'm pretty new. I'm a newbie, but I'm a fast learner and I enjoy being here. Thank you for having me. Andrea, it's lovely to have you. Is there anything you want to comment on what we've talked about tonight? Particularly, anything on your thoughts? I, I was figuring out. I was, uh, I was texting Daniel. I, I wasn't sure because I was distracted. I didn't have that in my calendar, so I, I it did got off my radar that this was happening today. So I don't know what your topic was. Probably missed that. All what I hear heard so far, I could agree with. But what was the overall topic? Oh uh, yeah, the overall topic out. was that we a part of our role as as enterprise coaches is to enable via providing services. To, to sort mm-hmm. of oil the wheels of the organisation a bit. Just, I always, I always imagine it like uh, a good mechanic listens to an engine and goes, "Oh, you know what you need? You need that butterfly valve touching slightly." Yeah. Oh, look how much better that is now. That's that's what you needed. That little butterfly valve mm. there. And I think part of what we do is see those things that, that you know, just the the little nudges that can make a big difference. Oh yeah. Now I understand that mirror analogy. Mm. I mean, I heard that before, and I love that analogy with the mirror. We are holding up the mirror, but in a sort of way that people can accept it. And because there are only news, we never know what they accept. So we need to find a way to listen deeply, be empathetic with them, and then see how we can hold up that little mirror for them. Mm. So that that opens an open route for them to accept. The, the sort of uh, feedback we would like to give and the suggestions maybe we would like to give. Well, because otherwise well, our, our work would, would get lost, huh? Yeah, and I think, I always think um, what you want is for them to discover you need to give them a framework so they can understand what they're seeing. That's Our job sometimes mm. is to teach them the framework so they can understand what they're seeing. But then the conclusions, you want you want them to feed them themselves with those conclusions. And partly that's because... I always believe I, I want to be someone that they always think is a kind-hearted, good person who is sometimes passing on, frankly, bad messages, but isn't a bad person, you know? I, I always, you know, shoot the messenger. No, please don't shoot the messenger. But the best way for them <laughs> to discover what needs improving, what can be improved over time, is for them to realise themselves. Because then they've learnt it the right way and they're not going, well, this consultant has told us that this isn't very good, I'm not sure myself. What you want them to be is certain, certain, certain they've seen something they want to change. That makes sense. I'm adding a line to my CV. I'm an organizational WD-40. Oh, that's nice. I like that. WD-40. Oils the wheels. WD-40. That's very good. Um, We're we're sort of at the kind of time we should finish, so maybe we should finish for the day, and we're going to go around the room. And, Andrea, since you're on stage with us, we're going to invite you to make any sort of anything you heard or noticed that was particularly useful um, as we finish for the day. And that noise in the background is probably Dan's little uh, family, which is great. Yeah, the sweetie. The sweetie, yeah. Uh, So I'll start with mine, and it's not so much an observation as an area of thought that started. When Dan said, we don't need to be like Snow White... I immediately thought he's going to say we need to be like the dwarfs. And he didn't say that, but I, I immediately thought, okay, 
we need to be like the dwarves. And so, you know, I started to run through the dwarves and decided grumpy, I don't want to be grumpy. Dopey, I don't want to be dopey. Sleepy, I don't want to be sleepy. I went through them all, decided I want to be happy. Happy's a dwarf, isn't it? Is happy one of the dwarves? I can't remember all their names. I just noted there's seven of them. But Tristan has just put his hand up, and I think you've been invited, Tristan. I was going to justify why. why Yeah, I was going to justify it. Yeah. We we don't want to be the solo person who has the magic idea. We want to be the team. And it's habit forming. They have good habits because they all work together and they go and do their jobs each day and they come home. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. (laughs) I do love it, Tristan. Okay, I, I, I'm looking forward to my several uh, social media posts on Snow White and Seven Dwarves <laughs> coming up now. Again, fantastic. Have you have Alfonso? Maybe you'll say, also oh, have yeah. a great insight that you got today. Alfonso, hello. Hi, Alfonso. Welcome. Please come off mute. Howdy. How are you doing? Yes, hi. I'm fine. Uh, one thing I wanted to uh, interject into this uh, conversation is... Uh, one of the problems with software, uh, in knowledge in general, knowledge work in general, is that we have limitations on the boundaries of our knowledge and, and the skills that we have. And in order to expand those to improve, we need to uh, know what the boundaries are and know what we don't know. We, we, if you don't know that, it's it's difficult to know where to improve. And one of the ways to figure out what you don't yet know but that you can learn is to look at other disciplines and industries that uh, are similar in some respect and and glean information from improvements that they've made. And uh, several other uh, industries have gone through process improvement, which is, I believe, the core to what agile coaching is on how to improve the processes uh, and the the teams that use these. uh, although I, I think from the other perspective, you're more focused on the teams as opposed to the, the process that they use. But it, uh, I believe it's still process improvement. And uh, a good example of this is the animated cartoon industry and animation. And uh, there's a book uh, on how the Walt Disney Studio did it called The, the Illusion of Life. And it talks about several of the processes and, and improvements that they did and the things that they learned specifically for animation. But in the early chapters, it discusses how Walt pushed the team to improve uh, even past his own ability to, to understand how they improved. But he could tell them from the results that they were getting better. And uh, I think that that is at the core of, of what enabling not so much what the agile coaches do, but what management has to do in order to see these improvements in their organizations. And the book discusses how the animators themselves it continued to improve the processes and their craft, but it was while pushing them to, to get better for the results he was expecting that helped them to go there. And I think that's the crux of uh, our problems in dealing with managers. We need to have them understand what can be improved and uh some as others said we can see where you're a little short in this area and and you can improve in this area but uh managers have to 
help uh, drive the process or accept the changes that we're trying to make. Well, you make some great you points. You just summarize the, the life work of a neighbor of Ian's, Mike, which is outcome-oriented transformation. Yeah. Great, great, great. I'm so reading that book, Alfonso. Thanks for that. Mike Burris is a good friend. Yes, um, so much in there, Alfonso, worth mentioning. I'll just pick up a few points up to summarise as we finish the call. Uh, actually, one of the big things you need to know is your limits. If you know what your limits are, that can make a big difference. You brought that out. Also, I always like the analogy of for leadership that what you're trying to do, you know these Russian dolls where you open the doll and there's another doll inside and it's smaller and you put them all out. Really good leadership is I imagine myself and I take my hat off and I open uh, the doll inside out and that doll is bigger than me. Not smaller than me, but bigger than me. Really good leadership does not limit people to be only as good as the leader. It doesn't limit people at all. It does the opposite of that, actually. It, it allows them to express themselves so they can go much, much further than you go, um, which is some of the points Alfonso brings out. I'm aware we're at 30 minutes, though, guys. I would love to chat some more yeah. about your points. I was just going to summarize by saying, you know, this was a quote I got this week, you know. So yesterday was my birthday. And Happy birthday to uh, you. <laughs> thank you oh, so much. Oh, yes. Happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, no. thank you. Thank you. I'm just a year older, you know, a little bit slightly younger. No, than you're, 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 you're wiser than you. <laughs> wiser. One. But yeah, yeah it, it also marks 12 years since I lost my dad. And my dad taught oh. me something, which, you know, I'm just going to refer here, which was, you know, as a leader... The first outcome you look for in any organization is creating followers that can be better than you. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that's just uh, so good. I think we should just stop there. That's so good. And uh, yes. Dan has quoted his father to me several times, and every time I, I've always thought, I wish I had his dad. <laughs> I do, I do. Um, fantastic quote, Dan. Let's, let's leave it there if that's all right with everyone else. Yeah. Uh, totally. yeah let's leave it there we'll be back next week we're at 30 minutes exactly which is a bit more than we we usually try and finish at 25 uh, it's time for the outro man to come and say hello and we'll see you all next week and th thanks very much for a thousand unique listeners that's fantastic thank you everyone thank, thank you everyone see you next week that's it for this week. You've been listening to the Agile Coaching Mastery Podcast, brought to you by the Agile Coaching Mastery crew. If you want to join the live recording or give us feedback, reach out to us on agileclub.club and look for the Agile Coaching Mastery conversation or find us on Clubhouse. Join us next week for more fun and free thinking. That's it for another week. And uh, just as we finish, I just want to give you a quick quick story, which is someone at the company I'm working at came to see me and went, by the way, I've been listening to your podcast. And uh, I thought, oh, here it comes. And she and she went, that music's great, isn't it? And I went, um, what about the words? And she went, oh, no, the music's great. So there you go. <laughs>